My name is Frederick Gerten, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. We were talking before, is this a summer special still, or is it not? And then we decided to take away the summer, even if it's not still is summer, but to still call it, this is a special edition of uh, Pushback Talks. Special is something really important to us, because you, Leilani, you were the UN, I mean, you would travel the world with the title of special for years, six years. That's right. And for me, you're really special. And for most of the listeners of this podcast, they love you because you're special. I'm the kind of the irritating guy who is, (laughs) you know, talking about money and wine and stuff. But that's okay. I'm I'm not always a pleaser, but you are. You're like so sweet. (laughs) I hope that I'm not so, so sweet. I hope some governments are a little bit afraid of me, think that maybe I'm going to hold them accountable to human rights, you know, something like that, while being very nice the whole time. Yeah, that's true. Now, we shouldn't be too nice. And the reason we, I mean, the, the, the special edition today is because there is, there are more countries on the planet than the United States. Sometimes it's hard to understand for when you read the media. But it's actually more, and, and one of them's named Canada, that's where you live. It is. And another country is called Germany, also interesting. And, bo- and both these countries have a general election coming up just between Canada in the 20th of September, Germany the 26th of September. What are people talking about in these countries? There are two big themes. One is, one is obvious, it's climate change, because Canada, you had this extreme heat wave. Germany yes. had this flood, flooding of cities, totally crazy. crazy. So of course, people talk and should talk about climate change. But the other big story is... Housing. Unaffordable housing. We should just touch base a little bit about Germany, because in Berlin, we made a lot of stories about Berlin. And it's a, it's a movement that has been growing, and it's kind of... It's also... It's moving the whole political spectra in some way. So you've been in contact with a lot of people in Germany, haven't you? I have, mostly through Twitter. It's pretty amazing. For all of those Twitter haters, it still is a powerful tool to connect people and to connect movements. Um, And the folks in Berlin, I think, have helped to change the global conversation around housing um, by really challenging the over-commodification, uber-marketization of housing in their precious city. And they are, what I love about them is they, they'll, they, they aren't afraid to be ambitious in their demands. And then the most interesting thing you now is in Berlin, there will be a special referendum. And a referendum you can call on if you gather enough signatures. And what people are asking for is a referendum about confiscating apartments from companies who have more than 3,000. And basically, it means that 243,000 apartments out of the 1.5 million in Berlin would be then nationalized. It's very radical. It might not happen. But I mean, it's coming from like 30, 40 years of deregulations and the state is not doing anything. It's like it's a big shift. It's a big shift. And supporting this uh, referendum 
you know, this confiscating of uh, of apartments is also the big unions. It's also many of the, the of the political parties, including the Green Party, and the Social Democrats are party split. So the, their youth are in favor of this, and but not the the big party. So this is something we should look out for the this um, referendum in Berlin. Absolutely, I think it's uh, so exciting to see what they've managed to achieve in, in a short period of time. They got all of these signatures. And the idea, too, is not just, obviously, the nationalization of a huge number of units, but it's to keep those rents low and to keep them at a at a cost that people can actually afford That's re- that's in relation to their actual household income. And I mean, we've moved so far away from that where rents everywhere around the world are set uh, based on what a market can bear, what investors are, you know, the prices are being driven up by investors. So the Berliners are really challenging that. And that will help, and I think is already helping other movements in other cities, in other countries. So the cool thing is that they're actually breaking the logic of the market because that's right. The market has put a lot of money on top of buildings in Berlin, as they do in many other cities. They said, it's good, apartments are good, uh, real estate is good, so let's invest, and then the prices go up and up and up. But if, but then the actual very building can't handle it without pushing up the rents in an extreme way. So it's totally unsustainable, uh, the whole That's idea right. of investing so much into people's homes. So when this legislation that is now up to a referendum is actually says we shouldn't pay, the government shouldn't pay the full, the market price of these houses. You should pay half. All this speculation, that's not our problem. That's your problem. You started to speculate in a, in a basic human need, people's homes. And it, is, it has never been okay because people need, homes are infrastructure. A society needs homes also for people who have ordinary jobs. So I think it's it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Canada, it's a country which is like has long, long, long border to a country called the United States. And then most of you live very close to that border and the rest is a lot of land and lakes and uh, beauty and some elks and... Well, sea lions. What, what do you what do you have? Yeah, bison, <laughs> moose, <laughs> moose, 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 moose. Yeah. So it's 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 a very special country, and and we nobody knows anything about Canada except some Canadians, <laughs> and you are one of them, and you have an election now the twentieth, and 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 I tell you, it's not something we read a lot about in the Swedish news media, no. uh, or any any other. So. Tell us, what's what's cooking in the beautiful country of, of Canada? I think internationally, Canada's reputation is a little different than the reality on the ground. I think Canada's seen as um, sometimes a broker, uh, a big, big proponent of human rights, uh, a land of milk and honey where, you know, we have universal health care and things are pretty good. Um in recent years, of course, like so many other places, uh, we have a housing affordability problem, a real crisis. We have a huge homelessness crisis, and of course, those things are related. Um, and that's kind of the untold story often about Canada, a lot of poverty, uh, 
uh, Frederick, you've seen when you've been to Toronto uh, for film festivals, the Hot Docs Film Festival. You've seen the streets of Toronto and filming Push the film. You learned a lot about the realities of the housing I'm, I've been coming to Toronto for over 15 years, almost every year, and, and I, can, I can totally see the difference. I've never yeah. seen so many people in the street. Yeah. And and it's now after COVID, it's obviously even worse where people are camping in parks and and that leads to to clashes with police and so on. It's it's it's, uh, it's all the signs of, of a crisis. Ab- absolutely. In fact, I was in Toronto very recently meeting with people who are living in those parks. And what I found fascinating was their clarity where they're, you know, in their tent, in a park in the city, and they're pointing their fingers up, literally up, at all of the cranes and condominiums in the sky, and they're saying, how is it that I live here in this tent, and there are all of these new luxury units being built around me. They're, they see the connection 100% between their reality and this financialization of housing. I found it, it was amazing. They were incredibly articulate. Isn't it good that people are building new homes in, in, in Toronto? <laughs> I mean, that's an obvious well, question. Yeah. And, and a lot of people will say the answer to the problem is supply, 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 build, build, build. Uh, but of course, the problem is who are we building for? What's driving that building? And a lot of the building is investor-driven building for investors, for luxury, for high-end. And we're not building for the people who are most in need. But the people who say build, build, build will also say, well, it doesn't really matter if it's being built luxury, high-end, because they believe in trickle-down economics, where they say if you flood the market with supply then the prices will eventually come down and everyone will be able to afford housing. That's but not, they don't want the prices to go down. Exactly. They don't want, they always want the prices to go up. Their whole business model is based on, on rising prices. So that's, exactly. that's, that's a total lie. It's a lie. And housing and real estate defies traditional economics and and many economists are saying that now banks are starting to talk about it in Canada they're starting to say oh you know uh, supply demand economics traditional macroeconomics doesn't apply in the housing sector it's all about speculation and as you said Frederick driving driving prices up and we've seen there has been new supply it's not like there nothing has been built in Canada in years and the new supply is not resulting in affordable housing in fact as you've noted it's making things more expensive what are the lines are there can you see that the political parties in Canada has moved have they understood this in a new way or is it are, are people still at the same position they were like five years ago or has something well, changed that is the cool thing so we had an election two years ago um, this is a abnormal election uh, because of uh, minority government um, and be- because of the pandemic the government felt that they needed to hear from the people of Canada and very cool is that housing the unaffordability of housing and even homelessness has been identified as a major electoral issue. 
right alongside climate change and um, indigenous reconciliation. So those are the big, I would say they're the big three issues in this election, which is pretty amazing because for so long, I have found political parties in Canada kind of resistant to naming housing as a crisis in the country and homelessness as a crisis. So so the, the dial has moved, which is really good. So that means that a lot of people call you. Hey, Miss Farah, <laughs> what are you? What are your point of view of this? And and I mean, yeah. I guess you are one of the experts in Canada on this issue. So people call you a lot, I guess. Yeah, I mean, sure. I did, in fact, a, a roundup of uh, interviews, radio interviews across the country last week, uh, just taking a quick and early look at what the political parties are saying in their platforms, those that have come out so far with their platforms, not not all the parties have. But uh, yeah, so people are, and some of the some of the candidates are asking me my opinion, what should they, what should they run with? And it's interesting. Good. I, I like them to listen to you. I think they will learn something. So but do they also get scared of you? Are you too <laughs> radical? I don't know if I'm considered too radical. I think maybe they're I don't know. No, I don't think they're scared of me um, because of because I'm radical. I think I'm probably some people would probably say I'm not radical enough because I do think, you know, as anyone who's seen push knows, I think we need to change our system. But I don't think we need to bring down the entire system. I think we can. There are a lot of things that could be done to make the current system work better for people who don't have a lot of money and are also at the same time running our cities and and necessary for for our cities. So I and I think the Berliners are doing that too, right? I mean, they're not saying bring down the whole system. They're saying let's tame the system. Um, let's regulate it. Let's make sure housing remains understood as a human right. Push has been out in Canada for for two years now, and you're Canadian. So when we released the film, uh, premiered the film in Canada. We got a lot of press and, and because of your your presence and your clear voice also in Canada. Can you feel that politicians and journalists have seen push and, and that has in some way also moved uh, the debate? Yeah. And I mean, I think advocates um, have also seen push um, and academics. And I think there's a nice um, growing momentum. And I think push has helped in that a momentum around being able to name the commodification of housing as a real problem and the financialization of housing as a real problem. There are still some folks who would, who are calling it a red herring problem. So what I think has happened is there's been a, a, a lot more talk, a lot more action um, and advocacy on the issue of the financialization of housing. And that has finally trickled to the political parties. So I think push had a lot to do with that. I hope pushback talks had something to do with that too. But I, I, I also think it's helped arm advocates. When you set out to make push, one of the things you said to me is, you know, we don't, we don't have a language for this. There's no, there's no language. And I think push the film actually has helped create that language that was missing and a narrative that was missing, missing. So I'm quite excited to see that the political parties have finally recognized not just that there's a housing crisis, but that financialization is part of the crisis. The next question is, have they gotten it right? Okay, so who are the parties and what are their proposals? What have you? Yeah. Can, can you sum it up in some way? Yeah, for I can people try. who don't know it, anything about anything. Canadian politics, yeah. we yeah. know about the Trudeau, 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 Trudeau because he's 
good looking, but uh, people say he's good looking. I don't, I'm not so sure. <laughs> he's got a full head of hair, you know, so that gives him that gives him a lot of street cred as a as a political leader. So we have four main parties in Canada. Uh, we have the Liberal Party, which is Prime Minister Trudeau's party. Uh, so the, the party that's in power. And I guess you'd say it's centrist or right of center sometimes and left of center sometimes. You have... Have, have they understood the housing question then? Yes. Yeah, so the Liberals have released a 16-point platform on housing. I suppose what's most interesting to me is they've said they're going to review the tax laws that have supported the financialization of housing in Canada. So, I mean, these are laws that, you know, give preferential tax treatment to the big corporations, the real estate investment trusts, uh, the pension funds, etc., that are investing in housing and that are driving up the cost of rentals. Um, and I suppose I like this because, it's really going after the structural apparatus that has allowed rents to get so expensive in this country. But they're quite aware about you, aren't they? They know me. Sure, they know me. Um, I think that their government, when they were ruling until a week ago, they said they're still studying financialization and hadn't done too much to correct for it. They did try to... Uh, implement a uh, 1% national tax on vacant properties, but that hadn't come into force yet. I think it was supposed to come in in 2022. And it was going to generate about $700 million, which $700 million Canadian dollars is not very much, which suggests that perhaps foreign owned vacant properties is not such a big issue in this country. Yeah, so it was non-residential vacant properties. $700 million, that's not very much. Anyway, that's that was the Liberal Party. There is the uh, New Democrat Party, NDP. Um, they are considered left of center. That's like, like European Social Democrats or... I think so, that's right, yeah. And in this election, they have come out hitting quite hard on financialization. So they've said they they want um, a 20% tax on the sale of homes to non-Canadian citizens or residents. Are you are you starting to see a theme here? Non-Canadian citizens or residents. They also said that they will try to without going into too many details, they'll try to regulate those big developers uh, investors in housing that engage in renovictions. So that's, you know, where you invest in a property and you say, oh, I've got to make some upgrades to this property and you do those upgrades and then you evict the tenants. So they've come out with some proposals to stop that from happening. We have um, the uh, Green Party and they haven't, it's not like the Greens in Europe. They're not even connected, as I understand it, which is really unfortunate. I really wish there was more influence. But the Greens haven't come out yet with their uh, platform on housing. They're in some disarray as a political party in this country. They're having a leadership problem. The Green Party has a tradition of, of being in disarray. So it, maybe it's, in that sense, they are like a part of the Green Movement. It could be, could be. And lastly, the last party is the Conservative Party. And they are 
conservative and you might say uh, right uh, or neoliberal, but they have been the surprise of the election. So they have come out with a two-year ban on foreign investment in residential real estate in Canada, a two-year ban. But again, note the theme, foreign investment. Uh, they also have come up with a big, bold and ambitious, we're going to create one million units in Canada. And the what's interesting about it, I, I didn't talk about supply for the other parties, but what's interesting about it is they want to take federal government land, so the national national lands and properties, and convert them into residential properties for everyday people in Canada. But they haven't said whether those would be affordable. Mm. But it's, it's interesting in, in some way, uh, even if it sounds very classical, just to build a million homes and so on. I mean, we've had this, those kind of campaigns in Sweden also, but it's it sometimes leads to something good. But it's, mm-hmm. it's I mean, it's a signal of that all identified that housing is an issue people think about and worry about so it's it's something but this what is this focus on the foreigners because money is money we know that we talk about the criminal money the laundered money when it enters into society it is just money so if blackstone we talked a lot about blackstone is big private equity company if they buy a Canadian company, they will, of course, appear like Canadians in Canada. So it's that sounds like the Canadian politicians need to also look into the behavior of Canadian companies. I was so hoping you would say that, Frederick. And I think... <laughs> because you can't. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can, but... Hey, friends uh, out there, have... Canada. <laughs> I love Canada, but there's also Canadians that are really, really bad. And you have to go after the really, really bad Canadians, I think, because they are destroying your society. I know there are Swedish companies operating in in Canada, Achelius. You know, Achelius, uh, we, you made a report about Achelius. It's, it's a big, it has some Swedish flag because the owner is Swedish, but it's registered in, in Bahamas and Cyprus. So you can see it of some kind of tax reasons. But in Malmo, my town here in Sweden, they... They own 4,000 apartments, which is quite a lot, so they're big here. Now they announced they're going to sell it all because they're going for new markets. Uh-huh. And they mention Canada. So they are, co- they are coming, they're grabbing they're more coming. in Canada. That's so right. look out for Achelius, they're coming your way. But then there will be foreigners. We have to remember, these guys are really, really smart. And... Uh, they know how to do business. So first of all, even if it's a, in quotes, foreign company, I think Blackstone, for example, did that in Sweden, right? It wasn't Blackstone from New York. They created another company that was in fact, a Swedish company, and did their dealings that way. And so that's what I presume the foreign investors will do. They'll just set up subsidiary companies that are Canadian and do business that way. That's one. Two, as you said, there are plenty of real estate investors and developers that are Canadian that have been completely disrupting our market 100%. No, but if you want to understand global capitalism, it's to understand that they have this flag strategy where they basically... 
put their money in one place or many places. They put their headquarters in different places. Uh, so they, it's actually hard to say what flag has this country. And I, when you call like Kelly Swedish, then you should put the Bahamian flag on or a Cypriotic flag on or, you know, the, the daughter companies or whatever. So it's and what is Blackstone? Of course, Blackstone has its headquarter on, on 6th Avenue in New York, 5th Avenue. But still, it's, it's a monster that has many flags and many headquarters and many, you know, so it's, it's uh, if we want to, if we want to fight this kind of extreme capitalism on, on uh, steroids, we, it's not about the flags. It's about the behavior of this money. Exactly. And I mean, I think there has to be an None of the political parties have done the internal work, like what machinery, financial machinery is there in Canada that is making real estate an attractive industry for these actors? And we know the answer to that. It's it's that they get preferential and advantageous tax status and access to cheap loans and therefore cheap money. I mean, money is free, as you always say. Money is free for these guys. So there's no political party that I see so far that's saying they want to change our tax code or our tax act so that these trusts, because it's all done through real estate investment trusts, so that these trusts don't get such advantages. I don't see anyone saying that. I don't see anyone saying that there's, going to be some change in interest rates if it's just speculative investment for example i don't know enough about monetary policy to know if that's possible but i think the mistake is basically that when you talk about housing is house housing politicians you people are into the housing issue but what this really is it's about the finance market it's the behavior of the finance market the finance market has its own way of functioning it's now it's its own machine i mean in the early days Finance was a way to like a service sector for real industries, you know, but now it's its own little machine. Their only interest is to grow numbers, to grow money. And they don't really care about what happens with this stuff when they put money into homes or they put money into a gold mine. They don't really care about the content of, of that, uh, that, that company. It's all about, all about moving in, moving out. I mean, Achelius are sell, selling now 4,000 apartments in Malmo. They, they've been buying a lot and, they, and they've been pushing up the prices. But now they feel, okay, now it's time. You know, they promised their investors we're going to do all this because you will get this return on capital. Now they'll get it and then they move on to some place where they can grow money again. What are they leaving behind? They're leaving behind more expensive apartments a city where the whole rent level has been pushed up without really making the the quality of this apartment much so much better a little bit better maybe but it's like to a very high price these companies and this finance sector they don't care about society they don't they don't, they don't want to be a part of building a country or building a city they don't talk about future or talking about like you know the nature or whatever because they they don't have a soul they don't have a base it's just a flood of money that is going in all these directions 
Yeah. I think what you raise is so was that, interesting. Was I too, was I too poetic now? <laughs> I loved it. Um, so. And I, you know, I think you know I studied poetry as an undergraduate. So bring on the poetry, Frederick. Um, it was kind of lousy, say, lousy poetry, though. But <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll take any poetry at this stage. I'm in a bunker. There's a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, I know. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, one of the things you said that I really, that really resonates is and I'm not seeing in this election, I think it's different in, for example, Germany and Berlin, that this that what we're talking about here is finance, not housing, actually. And we're talking, therefore, about monetary policy and fiscal policy. And in the platforms that I've seen, there isn't a real reckoning going on with monetary and fiscal policy. I certainly... The Prime Minister himself was asked by a journalist in a scrum, or whatever it's called, um, you know, are you going to deal with monetary policy in this election? And he brushed it off. He said, absolutely not. You know, we have other things to deal with. This is the last thing we need to deal with. And of course, it's monetary policy that sets, that's the Bank of Canada, right? Our national, this, you know, central bank. They set the interest rates. They can deal with inflation and all the things that affect the little people, right? So if interest rates are low, that is actually bad for renters because it's really good for investors. And similarly, when inflation is high, that's really bad for renters because they have less money, basically, at the end of the day. So I don't see too much reckoning I don't see too much railing against the 1%. I, there, there have been calls by the NDP for, I think, a wealth tax. But the wealth taxes, I don't think, touch housing and investors in housing because wealth tax tend to be, okay, for the wealthy, people who earn over X amount, or they tend to be for corporations. But real estate flies under the radar of corporations because it's all done through trusts real estate investment trusts, which aren't considered corporations in the traditional sense. So, yeah, I'm going to go back now and have to look at all the platforms and, and see if I've missed, missed something. Maybe the, maybe someone is talking about big economic structural reform. So, bottom line, you don't know where you're going to... What is your vote this election? I'm in a tough riding. Um, so, uh, I'm in a tough riding. Uh, all of the candidates, I know four of the f five candidates, is that five? Uh, I know them and they're all solid. Um, they all have some good policies. So, so a I'm message a from, uh, from us or from me. Hello there, Canadian candidates, politicians. If you want Leilani's vote, <laughs> you have to step up. You have to speak out. You have to do better, and then stuff can happen. Yeah. Okay, good. Go and sell yourself, pitch yourself, tweet to Leilani. <laughs> Leilani, we're going to go after the bad guys, and we are with you, Leilani. So I think it, can, it might happen. That That'd was my nice. little message to Canada. There Leilani, I think we should wrap up because it's, uh, yeah. You know, I have little secrets. I'm actually, uh -oh. I'm actually going to to travel tomorrow <gasps> tomorrow to start a new film project oh isn't that's, that's kind that's of exciting it's, it's kind of exciting the world and awaits at the me too i've been i you know i've been blocked for a year 
So more than a year. It's um, it's almost like wow. Is that is this my job? We'll see. Super but exciting. I, Let's see if you remember how to make a film. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm, <laughs> but I'm traveling out tomorrow, and um, and I will I will tell you more later on, Leilani, what's in my head because it's a lot. It is totally confusing right now. But we'll see. Mm. But it's going to be fun to to go out again and together with my amazing friend and cinematographer uh, Janice Davila. So we'll see. She's the best. She's the best. Yeah. So, thank you. What are, what are, normally we end up this podcast talking about uh, that we don't have any money and and actually got a very nice letter from a listener in the Netherlands who loved the film and loved the podcast but she was a bit critical to me talking about money. And oh. yeah. Um and yeah, I can understand that we, you know, um, we look, we appear like we are so confident and cool that we, of course, are are very rich ourselves and so on. Unfortunately, it's it's not true. So we actually have to work for our money and and to pay the bills. And this podcast we've been doing now for a year without any any incomes at all, and it takes planning time this recording time and then we have mikey jones here who's doing the whole mix and the editing which is at least a day's job a week and we've been doing this without any payment for a year and we are a small documentary film production company we don't do any commercials we don't do any industrials we only do documentaries and it's not where people get rich i tell you um, so that's why we have this call in the end of our podcast. Lilani, what is the call? The call is for more people to support Pushback Talks by becoming a Patreon. And there is the URL at the bottom of our blurbs about the podcast. So you, wherever you download your podcast, you'll see a link to the Patreon account. And every little bit counts and helps, as you say. And it can also be a very like a friendly gesture, being Absolutely. like $2 a month or something that you can think, okay, I can afford to give away $2 a month to, to my friends, uh, Leilani, and maybe 50 cent to Frederick. You, know, like, <laughs> like you can, you can write, write and how you want to differentiate it a bit. But anyway, all the money will go to Mikey anyway. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, but... Thank you very much, Leilani, and it's it's cool to be back. And it's uh, good to be back. we need to make some plans for a new season. And if season three, if any of you listeners out there have any suggestions about what we should talk about and who we should meet, tweet us, send us emails. Uh, you, you know, find ways to reach out, and, and we are we will take everything into consideration. So now. Hasta la vista, baby, and have a nice continuation of the summer. Thanks, Frederick, and safe travels. Good luck with your work. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To watch Push, visit pushthefilm.com. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week.